What, what am I supposed to say? I've never listened to a podcast. You're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. You're, you're, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. A podcast. Brian McCulloch here with Big Wheel Coaching. Hey, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another edition of the Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. And I am the host here, Brian McCulloch. I'm the assistant to the Big Wheel herself, my lovely Joy Joy, my wife, business partner. And uh, yeah, she's just she's just an all around uh, lovely, lovely woman to have here. And we are joined by Dina. Oh my goodness, Dina, this is going to be great. We have the nutrition mechanic here today to talk about hydration and there's so much going on right now as far as epic rides and big rides and people training indoors and there's so much we're doing now um, just as we have this kind of quarantine time still going we need to uh, we need to be dialed in our hydration as summer is upon us so Dina I want to welcome you to the podcast and uh, you're a dear friend of joys and we're so humbled to have you and can't wait to get into all this stuff thank you for joining us today Thank you for having me on, you guys. I'm jazzed to be here and talk about this important area of training and day-to-day living. So, um, yeah, thank you again. Well, yeah, I, I wanted you know, to just to jump in a little bit. Like, I met Tina at the WOW Women's Camp um, with Revolution Coaches probably three years ago. And um, it's the first time that um, I was able to work with her there and. She and I shared a little condo, and I was one of the coaches, and she was there to you know, do nutrition and do presentations and help with um, hydration uh, stuff, which I know she's going to get into today. But I was eight weeks pregnant with Seamus, and all I'd only told Ina Teutenberg right at the camp, and Ina was like, I will take the fast ones, right, of the riders. And so, like, Dina and I go, like, you're sharing a space with someone. I'm like, we're going to the grocery store, and I was buying the weirdest food because I, <laughs> I was – Obviously, eight weeks pregnant, and I—that was probably the worst I felt in my entire life. Sorry, Seamus, he's sitting here. I hope he didn't hear that. <laughs> but um, I legitimately like—I was like, I think I'll just eat some yogurt and like boiled eggs and drink decaf coffee. Which, if you're at a cycling event, like people are like, "What's wrong with you?" So I was like, I don't want this nutritionist to think like I'm like the worst fed athlete ever. And so I was like. Well, Dana, I'm like, I think I'm probably like, I'm harboring a human and I feel awful and I'm just going to eat a lot of weird stuff. And she was so gracious and just like, oh, like it was awesome. And I was like, man, just, you know, instantly created a, a, a friendship and an alliance that I'm like, man, this is, this is a, a wonderful person, but also someone that, you know, I'd love to introduce to our clients and our, our, our fans and followers um, down the road. That was an amazing time. Thank you for reflecting on that, Joy, because I, I was so uh, honored that you would let me in on the on the secrets, right? <laughs> and um, But I felt for you at that time being at a cycling camp, too, and the expectations uh, of you as a coach and being there and having some, you know, nausea or other things that weren't so pleasant. Yeah. Um, um, but geez, trooper. Yeah, I, I think I did like a, Eight and, a, eight and a half hour fondo and you know, just like just keep eating all like well, just eat your way through this day <laughs> so anyway that's that's a little backstory on how i met dia and learn more about the nutrition mechanic um and and the one of the main things i really wanted to connect with dina here 
is you're kind of a guru in um, hydration and and sweat testing and understanding the extreme individuality of how um, each person like, sweats and what they need and, and how to sustain them. And so, Dina, tell us a little bit. I know you've worked with like ultra marathoners, say Rams, say uh, you know Ironman athletes. So, tell us a little bit, kind of like a maybe like your, your Palmares are like what you what you do? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. So as a registered dietitian and sport dietitian, my focus is working mostly with endurance athletes. As you mentioned, you know, there's an array of sports represented and abilities and ages. Um, but underlying all of that, I mean, my goal is to work with each athlete as they show up and, and meet them where they are, not, not to already be corny, but, um, you know, what are the issues we want to address and fix and improve, uh, for day-to-day living. And then, and then that contributing to the performance level that we each seek. So whatever that is for each athlete, how to wrap in nutrition strategies, just so that we can get the most out of each body, right? And work with each person's physiology. Uh, So that's kind of it in a nutshell. I mean, I don't pitch a certain diet. I don't sell supplements. I'm not affiliated with any company, um, you know, sport nutrition company. So I I like to remain independent and, and really educate and, and coach, right? From the nutrition side. Awesome. No, that's, that's so important. We kind of go on that same way with you know, we don't want to partner with a specific bike shop. You know, it's like, what's going to work best for the athlete or the client? And, you know, looking at how you work with such a diverse and, and um, I mean, I know you've gone and done like Kona support or, you know, been on the road doing Ram support for the, um, with the race across America, you know. And so looking at it, you know, Brian opened up with, as we're getting into this hydration you know, I kind of paint the picture. We're in Southern California, which is going to be 90 degrees on Monday, and Brian's Everesting. Okay? And you, Dina, do you live at like 8,000 feet? Yeah, I'm at 8,600. Man, I was close. Yeah, so you're in, um, you were. above Boulder in, it shows me, but that's not right. So what, um, you're in a super tiny. Oh, above Jamestown. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Yep. Um, so that's a very different environment at elevation, at altitude, and um, obviously still snow and all that stuff. So, you know, we, we kind of formulated our questions here. Um, and maybe, Brian, you want to jump in and kind of guide us through our first question as kind of painting that picture for hydration, because I think it's such a oh, overlooked and, and misinterpreted for athletes in whatever they're doing. I love that. This is this is so good to hear you girls just chatting about that. Uh, I had I was not privy to the uh, to to the bunk up story at the at the Wow Camp. So that's cool. I'm I feel like I'm in the loop now. This is great. So uh, you're never going to you know, be fully in the loop, right? Well, that's maybe I don't want to be. You know, <laughs> but, but yeah. One thing I would say, you know, when I'm thinking about this, you know. Dina, you really brought it up because you were talking about how individual bodies are powered and how influential nutrition and hydration can be to individual performance, regardless of A, the level of the athlete, right? Whatever their goals are, but also um, 
where they are at in their in their life, right? In their training, in their goals, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that needs to be layered over that that individual and be able to help and support them. But I'm hoping that you can start with some basics for us, just like kind of some like hydration 101 and just say, okay, hey, the majority of people are listening to this are are cyclists. Most of them are 40 plus men and women that are trying to do their very best on a limited period of time of training. And they really are setting epic goals for themselves, both in distance or in intensity, right? And maybe you can just talk through some of that for us and go, okay, well, this group of people, what are the basics that they need to understand? Uh, and, and maybe it is even relative to where uh, not just weather, but also elevation, right? I think that's a great piece. Yeah. Of yes, thank you. It's a great area to start is just basics, because as Joy said, and, and I 100% agree that hydration, I find at least in the athletes I work with, it's overlooked. And so even in this hydration 101, I would say to the listeners, it's not to be overlooked. And it really deserves as much attention, maybe even more at times than the, than the food element. So um, knowing that, and, and for some people just understanding the why behind that, you know, it's, it's not just to satisfy thirst um, for hydration, right? We have to digest and absorb the other food we're taking in. Uh, we want to help out the heart, right? So if we're, so this is kind of like the why behind it, um, with, with poor hydration strategies, um, we're putting extra strain on the heart to pump blood to the working muscles and to the skin to sweat, uh, regulating core temperature and the contribution that hydration has on our focus level, you know, that cognitive aspect of paying attention. Um, even the fatigue factor, a lot of us think, you know, we need, it's the sugar, right? That keeps us from getting fatigued, but hydration can play such a fundamental role in that aspect. Um, so all of that, just to say it deserves respect. (laughs) Um, but to, to your opening question, some of the other basics here, I think remembering that we all are very different. And so even though we can have these general guidelines as far as how much fluid to drink and what's in the fluid, it really is being your own observer and and seeing like, what is it you're doing for your typical rides right now with your current fitness level, with your current um, environmental conditions, if you're indoor mostly or outdoor, uh, getting a handle, just seeing where you are, I think, in terms of this aspect of hydrating. A- and there's so many layers to that, right? Like, what are you drinking before your ride? What are you drinking during your ride? And we can talk fluid volume, fluid composition. Um, what are the other pieces that you're putting into the body? Uh, what are you doing for rehydration? So I think what I'm trying to say here is is observing for your own self, um, maybe even doing a nerdy, you know, log <laughs> for a week, right? Like a hydration log. If if a lot of us keep 
training logs, you know, so make, make the hydration a piece of that just so you get an understanding. Um, of course, then tying it to act, how you actually feel. Did you meet, if you had specific goals for, for your ride, you know, how did that look from power output or your subjective, um, you know, your subjective assessment? Were you dragging or were you totally nailing that ride? And you could have gone longer. Um, I'll pause there just to see if that's making sense so far. No, I, I think that I think that the a huge takeaway already, Dina, is for us as the athletes to be the observer. Because so much we get caught up in the moment, you know, in the segment, in the power, and we forget to be an observer of those sensations of how do I feel or what did I do. And it's very um easy to neglect that and think um you know i think this is a great conversation in helping guide athletes to like you said really respect that that hydration i mean that's we can lay that foundation um and then understanding the the pre and post like it can't be coffee before water during and, and coffee and alcohol after you know <laughs> that can't Right. That can't be a good, you know, in the thing like, you know, it, and I think a lot of times our athletes, their knee-jerk reaction is, well, I'm not training hard enough, right? If they have a poor yeah. performance, but, you know, yeah. helping guide me like, no, 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 no. Like, what did you fuel? You, you know, you started your ride at 6 a.m. and it was 50 degrees, so you were cold. And so I had people at like Leadville 100, like it was cold. I wasn't sweating. You know, I rode hard for two hours and then I started to fuel. And and then the the assumption is that they came apart because of lack of training, but you know it's that um, that you know be a be an observer of we were probably way under fuel. You know that's just an example. So yeah, I think I think the respect the hydration and be your own observer and respect it as much, if not more, than the actual wattage output, and you're going to make huge gains. Exactly. It's, it's being proactive with the hydration, not to say we need to um, drink before we are thirsty, we can get into that or like pound the water. I'm not saying any, any of that. It's more that the hydration piece really can make or break a ride or, you know, Everesting or, or whatever it is we're trying to do for our rides. So it just, it needs to have that attention. And then once we've got that awareness piece, um, we can dig into the layers. Um, you know, that's, that's hydration 200 or (laughs) the advanced course. Um, but I think one thing here with this 101, hydration 101 piece is, um, just remembering like every ride has different a different set of factors or inputs or um, so we have weather, we have how hard we're riding. We have um, like the, even the terrain we're riding, right? So that can affect our sweat rate or our perceived exertion. Um, there may be different, uh, you know, wind conditions, things like this. And then all of this relates to intensity and how long are we out there? Um, and then I, I think even just 
the aspect of um, each cyclist being different and how comfortable they are or what what is the barrier to adequate or optimal hydration. So like when I first started riding bikes, like I was just shy to have to pee, you know, not, not to go there, but I guess we can, because yeah, yeah. we will. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to stop my riding partners just because I had to pee. So I would hold off on drinking, you know, like, but then I was trashed, you know, yeah. 90 minutes in trying to keep up with these people. So things like that, or, or where, is where are your bottle cages or do you have a pack or are the bottles on the back? You know, just thinking what is the barrier to keeping up with hydration? And then of course, what's in the bottle, you know, and we can go into this more, but I'm just, I'm just trying to give a feel for all of the levels that can affect how well we do with hydration or what our expectations are. That's awesome, Dina. You said something about fluid composition, and that is, I think, a great kickoff for digging, starting to add another layer to this conversation. Because fluid composition, you, you said two things. That I, I, I feverishly took a note, and it was fluid composition and rehydration. And and so often, I think folks are missing that component of well, I just put powder in my bottles, right? But there's actually a composition of what that powder is and an importance with what it is. And I'm hoping that you can share with us what that might look like, both as a male or a female or as young or old or as trained or untrained or any of those things. And then maybe we even talk through that and what maybe rehydration might look like um, as far as quote fluid composition. Ooh, good, Brian. Yeah. So, I mean, we start with water, right? The problem with water is it's not the best for hydrating ourselves, which is so counterintuitive. So we have a difference between maybe if we just think day-to-day hydration versus hydration on the bike. Um, you know, there's just differences in so many differences, right? So I guess a point here is if we're only hydrating with water, that might be okay for shorter, easier rides. Um, but the longer we're out or the more intense the ride, or if we have elevation, um, altitude that we're dealing with, we have hot, humid environments, that water really should be changed over to, to possibly a, a, a hydration formula that has a certain amount of um, electrolyte, and specifically that would be sodium that we're looking for. There also may be a touch of um, sugar in that bottle to help with the absorption of the fluid itself and to for that sodium and a little bit of glucose. Um, so it's just a more efficient way to hydrate the body and hold on to fluids. Um, without that sodium piece, we don't really stay hydrated all that well. Um, so, you know, I've seen cases where people just think, well, I just drink more water to get more hydrated and that, and that doesn't work. That's not, <laughs> that doesn't, that's not how our physiology works. So when we talk about composition, 
at a very basic level, a hydration beverage has, um, it's like, it's called or referred to as a low osmolality. And that just means there's a lower, like three to 4% um, solution of that carbohydrate mix. Um, But there is some sodium in that mix as well. So just to give um, a contrast, like a a different kind of hydration beverage would have like six to 10% osmolality. And that's where we get that uh, formula that's trying to be the all-in-one drink with fuel from higher carbohydrate concentration and sodium and other electrolytes and the the fluid itself. So that might be like your classic Gatorade, right, is the the reference point there. Um, Those kinds of drinks can contribute to to a whole host of issues, one of which is possibly uh, not hydrating us as well as we thought. Um, so just thinking about what's in the bottle, I think this is where we can look like, what's your stash of products and, or what are you drinking? If it's just plain water and you're doing longer rides or harder rides, hotter rides, you know, we, we should, we should switch up the water. Um, but if, if you're using very concentrated hydration formulas, that actually may not be optimal for your hydration targets. So that's one level. Yeah, too much. Um, When it comes to even, Brian, like the men versus women, female, male aspect, uh, this is kind of fun because even with female athletes, looking at where the female is in their life cycle span. So are we talking about a woman who's 30 and naturally menstruating, right? So we have our menstrual cycles. That cycle in and of itself um, can affect our hydration strategy or the hydration strategy needs to work with the hormonal changes. So we can go into that if if you want at some point here. Um, you, You know, there's so many layers, like you said. So it's kind of fun and frustrating at times (laughs) because it's not as simple just do this kind of answer it's not black and white yeah no and I think going back to like looking at with the athlete and then uh, Brian I'll hand over you but like with with women working with coaches not even with themselves tracking um hormonal stuff because you could like you said when you're on a you know say like premenstrual like you're running so hot, you know, like 75 degree day feels like 90, right? And you're like, why am I sweating so yeah. much? I don't understand. And, and I, I only brought my one bottle. And so again, being that very aware observer can go so far. And so, yeah, handing over to you, Brian, sorry. Don't, sorry. That was fantastic. Thank you for bringing that, that piece in. I, I, I'm so thankful for that. Something that came to my mind here, Dina, as you're talking, is is two two components I want to ask you about. So you you said electrolytes, and and when I think electrolytes, well, like that's the plural. You didn't say electrolyte. Like you you brought up specifically sodium. So there's more to it than that. And and something that's like coming to my mind is, and I know this is not the exact same thing, but like you know, at night, I know a lot of people are recommending taking magnesium so you get like 
you don't have restless legs, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, what other electrolytes, calcium, et cetera, are important in that mix? And specifically that leading into the idea of concentration, because we kind of have two folks, we kind of have two kinds of people, right? One kind of person is like, hey, whatever I have in my pouch is what I'm going to do, right? Like it can be scratch, it can be infinite, it can be hammer, it can be whatever. They don't care. They're just putting powder in their bottles and there's no thought beyond whatever they have in their cabinet, right? And then there's the other component where the person's like, no, I only have this one kind of thing that's all inclusive. And the stuff that I'm thinking of is like, there's people that really like tailwind. There's people that really like um, you know, like hammer perpetuum or something along those lines that are just so thick and dense that, that they're actually might be seeing performance diminishment from that as well, because it's overly concentrated. I love that you're bringing that up. So can you maybe talk through about all of the electrolytes, why they're important, what, you know, that kind of stuff? Yes. And I also didn't address your rehydration. So we can get that in too, because it is important. Um, but yeah, the electrolytes. So we've got sodium, um, chloride, we have potassium, magnesium, and calcium. Those are the main electrolytes that we lose in our sweat. The issue is we don't lose them all in the same amounts. Um, some of these electrolytes, we have plenty of like stores. Um, some of these electrolytes don't affect muscle contraction quite as much or that gradient or the balance of um, fluid. Um, sodium is, is really the one that shines. It's the electrolyte we lose the most of in our sweat. And even if you think of, you know, being out there on a hot day, some of us get that salty, white, crusty skin on our kit or on our, you know, helmet straps or whatever, what, you know, depending on what we're wearing, we might see that residue. Um, and that can be reflective of just sweating a lot, but it can also be reflective of losing a lot. Um, regardless of how much we're sweating, some of us can lose quite a bit more sodium in our sweat than someone else. Um, it, you know, there are a lot of pieces there in terms of, uh, how sweat rate is affected. Um, the, like this, the example you gave of tailwind and perpetuum, those formulas that try to be the all in one, you know, calories from, from carbohydrates or sugar, uh, and electrolyte. We just, what I would like to say about that is, when we're trying to do the all-in-one drink, we may not be getting as much sodium as we need. So like the option is you drink more of that formula, but now we're overloading on the calorie side. And then that affects how well we're actually absorbing what's in that mix. Um, you know, so some people, if we look at the bell curve, some people can manage okay with, with infinite and perpetuum and tailwind. Um, I would say <laughs> it's not the norm though. And we actually can, can do a bit better if we separate out calories that we need for fueling and the hydration piece, fluid and electrolytes. Um, again, 
everyone's different. And I know some people are just fine, but for those key rides or, or high intensity rides or just longer rides, um, depending on, on how hard we're working and how our gut tolerance is, uh, or susceptibility to, um, GI distress, I'd say a lot of times we have to switch from that approach, the all-in-one bottle, and split those calories and electrolyte fluids out. Um, but, but Brian, one, one other thing I wanted to add is the um, sodium piece. That's actually important in the rehydration window of time. So. We've lost a lot of fluid, depending on what we've just completed. Um, here again, we don't necessarily want to just drink copious amounts of plain water, or like Joy said earlier, just go to the to the alcohol. Um, we, you know, we proteins in there, and and I know we're talking hydration here, but for rehydrating, especially if we've got another ride coming up pretty soon later in the day or in the next morning, or we're in a big training block, um, that sodium piece, either drinking it or adding salt on our foods is key for just maximizing that turnaround time for rehydration. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So it sounds to me like, obviously, you and I have talked about this, but and I know you and Joy have as well, but we've got this notion of hydration in the bottles, food in the pockets, right? That's a Stacey Sims thing. It's super easy to remember. We love it. I love it. It's. It, I, I think it works really well. But maybe digging into some more specifics as much as we can within the confines of the podcast, um, what are your thoughts on... Say, well, I'll give you an example. I, we're kind of doing this Everesting thing, and it's just on my mind at the moment. And so I did a nine-hour ride on Saturday, right? And what we found, and Joy was really, really helpful with me with this, is that I was really bad from about seven, you know, six and a half to, to eight and a half hours. The last climb I did, I rallied back. And it was because I was trying to eat all solid foods, uh, basically just peanut butter and jelly. But I, it was relative to my... Um, output, I guess is what I would say, right? Like as I worked really hard, it became harder to eat whole foods, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, I'm hoping you can kind of talk through that with everyone about maybe some hacks or other thoughts that you have about making sure that we can still maintain that hydration in the pockets, uh, or sorry, hydration in the bottles, nutrition in the pockets concept relative to our intensity, because that's where I think people get sucked into that, that attraction of like, I just want everything in the bottle because I don't want to have to think. And it's like, no, we really want you to think here. We want you to have strategies that are very suitable and useful for you. Yeah, I know. And for a ride like that, especially the Everesting component, let alone the duration, right? <laughs> to, to do that. Um, I mean, we have to think about flavor, fatigue, yeah, timing of that solid food, depending on what you're doing in that moment, right? So I think the fueling aspect, you know, that's where um, 
having some other options that maybe aren't as solid. Maybe it's a semi-solid, not necessarily gels, but other softer foods that you can get in. Um, so you're not taking away from also the need to still give attention to the hydration piece. Um, cause I think that takes back burner, right? For a lot of us, we we're focused on the food and fueling and we've just neglect some of that hydration and then it backfires at some point in these kinds of rides. Um, and maybe this goes to, again, what's in the bottle where we can, we can tinker with even just changing up the flavors or that source of the hydration. Um, if we're using a product, you know, we can, we can change up if possible, and we have time to do that during this ride, um, changing up the flavor or using other ways to um, stimulate thirst or like force yourself to stay on it. Um, I know there's controversy with taking salt or electrolyte tablets, um, but that is an option that can work for some people if if, for example, the hydration is falling behind because we're losing interest in whatever is in the bottle um, and we just need to take a break and we need plain water because that's all that's going to work, then, you know, we can play with saltier food items or for some people, the electrolyte tablets, if you know, if they're well formulated, they can work. And I'm, I'm not talking about massive, you know, massive amounts of tablets or things like this, um, or salt, salt chews, right? There are some companies making little chews to help with either driving thirst or changing up the palate from maybe sweet overload, depending on what we've eaten. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of just explaining exploring or expressing that option that we've got a variety of ways to, you know, our plan A is this and plan B, um, knowing that we always need a backup plan, right? For these kinds of rides, um, there are options so that we can get both, both elements, the proper fueling and that hydration piece. Oh, well, I, I think that's so cool to address that flavor fatigue, you know, and I think so often everything we have is like sugar bombs, right? And, and I know Brian's had some in his, his history with like, you know, training for and, and racing dirty Kansas or the Belgian waffle ride. He really went towards the more savory, like, Hey, let's get something yeah. that's flat or like pickle or there, um, infinite made these kind of like gel stuff that's more like, uh, it was like chocolate chili almost <laughs> like, you know, you, yeah. you have all of those, those theories. But I think a lot of people get kind of in that rut and they're like, I can't have anything sweet. And then it's like, I, I like that idea about stimulating that thirst. There was a fondue I did and the, the best thing they had was a big like thing of Fritos. Right. And so yep. you go there and I ate like a handful of Fritos and that salt, and I was like, okay, now you can kind of, you know, it, it's like cleaning that palate at a, at a gourmet meal, <laughs> you know, you're like, let's, can I get on to something else? And, you know, a lot of our athletes have been interested in like the salt tablets, um, but I, I fear that, and, and 
I like how you kind of said there, there's a time and a place for them, but I partnering them with too much, like with salt tabs plus tailwind plus you know perpetual. Mm -hmm. It's a lot going on. Um, yeah, yeah. And and like find I you know maybe you know if I was to do salt salt tabs, would that be like hey I'm drinking straight water plus salt tablets, or maybe can you shed a, you know not specific nutrients etc. But how would you kind of pair that? For the salt um, yeah. electrolyte tablets, yeah. Because I've never, yeah, I've never, never used them because I, I don't know. I just, I, 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 I just haven't. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, there is controversy. Uh, unfortunately, there's not a lot of actual scientific study to say 100 percent they should never be used or they're a okay for you know, all human beings. <laughs> um, I think salt tablets, I'm really picky for who's going to use them, but also the, um, the type of electrolyte tablet. And I don't know that you want me to mention names, but there are a couple companies where, yeah, no wonder that tablet's not absorbing because it's a poorly formulated, um, tablet and what's in it it, you know, it's causing, it's like, we might as well just get the salt shaker out and destroy your gut that way because <laughs> it's no better. Um, so, so there are different levels of quality with tablets, but, um, this is where we also then again, N of one, right? How much, how, what are the conditions that you're going to be riding in? Um, what do you know, or what do you perceive about your sweat rate when you are in 80 degrees versus 40 degrees. Um, what are you wearing that will affect your, you know, how much heat you're producing? Um, so, so we want to look at those many elements to at least get a range, like, okay, maybe one extra, uh, electrolyte capsule per hour will help. That way you don't have to drink this this formula that is the only thing you have on hand because whatever, we didn't place the Amazon order. So I've, I'm working with what you got, um, you know, or, or we're doing a homemade mix of some sort. So it's, it's not to say that I would ever, um, push someone to have, you know, 2000 milligrams of sodium in a caps, you know, 10 capsules, uh, if there's not a need for it or if it's going to cause harm. Um, especially GI wise. So it, again, not to dance around the question, but I'd say it's, it's, you know, we want to have strategy and be real particular. Uh, and it's not that you have six capsules an hour and that's what you do for your nine hour ride. We, we really have to consider all of the layers. No, and hmm. that, and I, I, that's a, you know, super good feedback. There's again, that observation and there's, there's so much. And so many times we see, uh, you know, athletes, you know, so again, looking at our Everesting coming up on Monday, we might have 15 to 20 people out on the climb. You know, everyone's doing their own pace. And so, you know, we're definitely not group riding or just people are on that same portion of road, but it's not cookie cutter as far as, in you obviously from their pacing but all the way to their hydration and nutrition um and yeah. so a lot of this is self-supported i'm glad you kind of you know spoke to the 
you know, having to stop and pee situation. Cause you know, for ladies, like I've always been in like, man, I've been on this ride with, you know, a group of 15 men and they've all peed three times and I didn't pee once and we're at four hours, you know, because mm-hmm. they're just peeing off the bike. Um, and so yeah. sometimes my hydration could be stunted. And like right now, you know, I've been going on my quote unquote epic rides are like four and a half hours, but there's no public place for me to use a restroom. And so right. I found like, and it was hotter. And so I was drinking so much more. Like I went on, we have like a, a Ryan made a DIY like burrito bag. So I had a, a bottle in there of like scratch or something with electrolytes and a couple, you know, things of food. And I had a frozen bottle in my pocket and two tall boys on my bike, you know, cause I'm, but I had to really like plan that out beforehand, like yeah. looking at my route and, and thinking like, you know, and it was, I even, I texted Brian on the way home and I was like, you need to put electrolyte mix in a bottle in the freezer for me because I'm super hot and I'm in the hole. But yes. And, and it was because I would, you know, four bottles in a four and a half hour ride is not enough for me. And yeah. I would, I would even beg that that's not enough for anyone. But I think historically people are like, you know, two bottles, um, you know, for a bottle an hour, but you know, that just might not be, be appropriate. So I think, you know, looking at kind of the pre-gaming aspect um, for like pre and post uh, looking at, so maybe Brian, do you want to maybe dig a little bit deeper into kind of like what that question would be? Yeah. Pre and post. I really want to get into that Dina, but, but if you can, can you back up for me for one brief moment you said something there that I want to dig into, which was you talked about neglecting hydration. And, and I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, you were saying it somewhat in the insinuation of, well, we're, we're emphasizing, well, we have to eat, we have to eat, we have to eat, we have to eat. So then hydration gets neglected. And I think that's so powerful because there's a performance component to that. And, and you started at the very beginning of our conversation talking about the performance diminishment that takes place with when hydration goes awry, shall we say, right? And, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping maybe you can talk a little bit about, well, how should, maybe we need to re- reprioritize. And I'm, I'm totally reaching here. So please, if I'm, if I'm off base, push, push me down. But in my mind, <laughs> I'm almost thinking there's a reprioritization comes up because I keep thinking, well, and, I, and I'm, yeah, I, I'm guilty. I tell my athletes like, hey guys, we have to eat, we have to eat, we have to eat, we have to fuel the beast, you know? And then all of a sudden, maybe we're not emphasizing the hydration enough. Can you talk through a little bit of that balance and what that looks like? It's possible, right, that 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 is a situation that needs examined. And the thing is, too, that the timing that we will feel the effects of underhydrating can take a while to manifest. And so we have that issue the other complication is when we finally realize, oh, shoot. Yeah, look, I haven't drank as much as I've been trying to eat that we can't play catch up just like that. You know, the snap of our fingers. You can't just chug a bottle and two minutes later, we're good to go. Um, whereas with some food calorie sources, if we think like the simple sugar aspect, if we're feeling a little low, dragon or just like, Ooh, I need a, a pick me up. If you, we do a simple sugar hit, we feel that pretty quickly. 
Now, granted, it won't last very long, but at least we can get that mojo resume, you know, <laughs> um, kicked back into gear pretty quickly. So this is a thing to think about when we talk about the priority and respect of hydration is if we wait too long or we get off our plan, whatever that plan is, um, that at some point there will there will be some negative consequences and and maybe we see that with a higher heart rate maybe we you know start getting fuzzy in our focus um you know heating up pretty pretty darn hot you know where we can feel that even um just like external on our on our skin or on our bodies so the goal would be it's it's not like we want to again drink copious amounts of fluid we want to find that right balance and that right threshold for each of us um so it's okay to get somewhat dehydrated that's just normal just like we can't match our calorie expenditure with eating on the bike we're not going to be able usually to match fluid intake but we just want to find or like what is that personal acceptable dehydration level for each of us and and not go beyond that um so i think to your point there is uh what does each cyclist need in order to stay on top of their fluid intake strategy and, and that's different for each person right some people need the little dinger on their watch, right? Every 12 minutes drink or, you know, like reminding your, your athletes, oh yeah, let's take a drink with our nibble. Um, and by the way, that fluid will help with the absorption of what we're nibbling. So double benefit. Hmm, that is so good, Dina. That is so good. I, one thing that you kind of brought up earlier that I think we need to come back to too, is you said something about uh, sugar basically helping absorption of sodium, right? So the electrolyte mix, right? So the concept there is, hey, obviously sugar, a little bit of sugar helps with the absorption of the electrolytes that we need. But then one thing that, that we talked about later was also wanting things more savory, right? Is there a balance there that we need to strike from a hydration element because again i can think of it from my standpoint like i've definitely been going edging more towards savory things especially yeah. when it comes to longer events but am i am i giving up something on the quote absorption of these electrolytes because i i can't quote stay disciplined to you know endless you know fruit punch flavored drink mix <laughs> right no it, that's a really good point brian because what you're eating in the savory food likely has some salt in it or sodium anyway. Um, and it has, unless it's like bacon, you know, it, if it's something else savory, usually there's some carbohydrate in it that will break down into sugar. The, the digestion absorption time might be a little bit longer, but so long as you've been steadily fueling and you're taking in something that is salty in the in the food source, then your hydration shouldn't be as compromised. 
So that scenario, I would say that's more in the okay, yeah, you're okay bucket than um, more concerning. And unless it was like a sodium free and carb free savory option, like the bacon. Uh, I don't know of any salt free bacon, so never mind that example. <laughs> but if you were eating, I, I can't even think of an example, a piece of chicken. I don't know if that's savory, yeah, but like yeah. that probably wouldn't yeah. help us out so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, boiled chicken breast is not at the Grand Fondo stop, right? <laughs> And I've That's really been, I've been hoping, yeah, I really just was hoping that it would just have just boiled chicken, you know, so that I can get my power cleans yeah. later. But, you know, when you guys were mentioning like the pre, pre-gaming aspect, I think this is, this is also an area for, for cyclists to be really paying attention to. So even if we start, you know, with coffee or whatever our fluids of choice are in the morning. Um, it's another opportunity for even your Monday, Eversting day, um, or, or future days that are going to be long where we can do a little preload of sodium and fluid. Um, that can be in a product that we purchase or we can make, like do our own homemade batch, but actually taking in some extra salt or sodium before we even head out. Um, there are physiological changes with respect to plasma volume. And basically we're, we're, we're helping out the hydration process before we even start our ride. Um, again, it's, it's not just plain water, plain non-salty fluids that we're talking about. So the specific amounts of sodium can really help in that pre-ride window. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, let me ask a question here. Or Joy, I know you wanted to ask her, um, ask Dina about homemade mix and homemade snacks. Uh, or not snacks, hacks. I'm sorry. I was just kidding. <laughs> you were talking about food and bacon, and I'm just thinking hacks snacks. And, I apologize. Hacks and snacks. <laughs> Hacks and sex. That's a thing now. <laughs> so looking at um, the idea, you know, of eating beforehand or having salt before, I think so many of us are like, hey, I had to the group ride and maybe I'll eat half a bar on the way there. And that's my breakfast. <laughs> like, and now I'm going to go ride hard for three hours, you know, and so it's not being very mindful of, of taking care of those um those fueling aspects and thinking that salt's important, you know, and getting adding, you know, could I, could I add, you know, an extra sea salt? This sounds weird, but I put like, you know, we'll put sea salt on my eggs or put sea salt on my adding in with my oats. And so there's a little salt and say, you know, sweet and savory. Exactly. Um, yeah. Or, you know, what about if like right now I wanted to go do a two hour ride and I have no like formulated electrolytes in the house. Do you have any idea what could, could I put something or create something in my bottle that I could go out and, and do some potent workouts with? Yeah, that is, it's funny you mentioned that, Joy, because I, sometimes I forget just being in sports nutrition world, you know, there are 100 and 100 million products out there, but geez, we likely have everything we need in our kitchen to just do a, you know, homemade batch 
of a simple electrolyte mix, I mean, the basic elements would be your table salt. Um, in this case, the iodized, like it doesn't have to be iodized, but the actual, um, fine, you know, the finer granules of salt can work better, just dissolve a little bit better. Um, so like anywhere from an eighth of a teaspoon, upwards of a quarter teaspoon to, um, let's say 12 ounces, 16, 12 to 16 ounces of water. And then adding like a squeeze of orange or a splash of, you know, a fruit juice or even a squeeze of a lemon or a lime. Um, that's like the very basic elements of a homemade batch. And, and that juice or that fruit juice, um, plus the salt, plus the water, it's, it's really all we need to start that or, you know, just boost that hydration process. Oh, that's awesome. And because we literally have a orange and a lemon tree in the backyard. Um, but Ooh. you know, like the, uh, so like that, and that could be something. So instead of saying, Hey, Brian, put a bottle of scratch in the fridge for me. Cause I'm coming home and I'm cracked of having, you know, maybe a little bit of that before I ride and then having that prepared in the fridge for helping my post rise. So then I don't get all of those sugars and it costs me literally a fraction of whatever I was, you know, drinking that was out of the package. Exactly. And if you put it in, in the blender with some ice, like you can even make slushies, you know, like I'm thinking of, um, Seven Eleven slushies. Yes. <laughs> My slurping machine. <laughs> yes. Like that can be really awesome if it's a hot, you know, hot day and you, yeah, you're tanked and just, I'm, I'm almost drooling as I say these words. I know. Well, I have like a watermelon. I have so many ideas here. Cause I was like, I was even going to make like watermelon, like macho for the guys when they're doing their, their super long Everesting because it's going to be hot and, you know, like, like, you know, how do you feel about uh, me getting some of my hydration from, you know, like it's cucumber, tomatoes and watermelon blended up. Like it's, it's basically like crispy water, right? I mean, would awesome. that be helpful? Yeah. I wonder if it would be okay with, you know, some pinches of salt added. Yeah. Oh, totally. And this one had said, I bet it would be delightful. And I won't add. <laughs> Bring the extra toilet paper. No, I'm right, just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but, but I, I think you know for our listeners, helping give them the confidence that um, that a lot of this doesn't have to be cost and price prohibitive, and that you no. know adding, uh, you know what we put in and what we fuel with is is really important, and it can be much easier to accomplish than I than I think most people imagine. Yes. For sure. And, and again, yeah, I didn't want to be heard as the one saying, like, I'm not saying go invest, you know, a million dollars in all these sport, um, hydration formulas. There are some that are really well formulated and can be super easy, you know, on these long rides. If you're self-supported, taking some of those little sachets and, um, you know, if you've got access to, to water along the way, then just making up a bottle. Um, with your, you know, product of choice, but certainly we've got a lot of options. It doesn't have to be complicated in terms of our own, you know, that, that formula that 
helps us to stay on top of our hydration strategy. That is so good, Dina. There's so much power in that because when I think both as coaches for you as a nutrition coach, as the nutrition mechanic, and for us as, as coaches with our athletes, I always think of, we want people, I don't want people to be dependent on us. We want people to be self-sufficient. We want them to be able to handle these scenarios by themselves. Because what, what happens is when you're seven hours into this Everesting or when you're two hours into a bike ride after a really stressful day at work and you maybe didn't hydrate that well, I want, I want to help them be able to salvage that. Right. And so now you're giving us strategies that allow us to take control and go, okay, well, you know what? I didn't get a chance to order something to th this week. And so, okay, I can still have a quality workout by using stuff at home. Can, yeah. can you still, there are other great, there's tons of great products out there and they're very, very convenient. And so please use them, use yeah, them. But, yeah. but in the event that you don't want to do that, there's other options as well. So we don't have to be beholden to them. We can use them by choice because we enjoy them. Right. Exactly. And just like what Joy was saying, I mean, I was just seeing gazpacho and then that made me think of um, broths and soups. And I mean, I have a few athletes that love rice bowls in the morning. You know, they'll rice is the base, um, but they'll add soy sauce or some broth to get their salt. And then they add their other little protein. Um, so they're getting an all in one meal that covers the sodium piece. It's a savory breakfast. And because we know we might do some sweet later on, like let's start the day with a savory, salty, savory carb protein, like the whole shebang in that meal. And um, that's another option to uh, think about. Ooh, I love that. I love that, Dean. Well, and I, I think, you know, we always, I mean, you always sit around the campfire talking food and fuel when you're at, at events and stuff. And I remember we did this gravel event up in Bakersfield in October. And one of the gentlemen there was talking about, he always like puts, you know, Bragg's amino acids on his oats or on his rice for his morning, you know, yeah. and then put some scrambled eggs on the top. You know, I think there's a lot of like kind of changing that mentality of, you know, breakfast isn't a sweet, you know, option, you know, and kind of just saying, Hey, try right. something different and see, you know, I think we're in a really good time right now with because we don't have any events right that we can kind of because yeah. you always say you know don't try something new during an event well we don't have an event so we're at a really good spot <laughs> for us to be like hey i'm doing a, a silly trainer ride and i tried some new things and it didn't work out well oh well the bathroom's like yeah. literally you know 20 yards away and all is going to be fine and so i think this is the time to, to help our or, or there's, I can refuel in my, my, my snack cabinet, send my kid to go get me a snack. You know, um, I think this yeah. is a great time to encourage our athletes to think outside the box and to try these new, um, you know, and I think speaking of the trainer, I think one thing, one thing that we were really interested in is our indoor training component. Um, for example, Brian with his UCI pro team, um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is racing the virtual tour of the Gila. So there's going to be 150, you know, elite pro males doing this, you know, three days of virtual racing. And I've watched Brian do some of these and they're um, extremely volatile efforts. You know, it's an hour, two hour effort. And he's literally setting like power threshold numbers. Like there's no respite 
and you know yeah. there's sweat the the sweat radius is like making a, a snow angel in the garage and so <laughs> you know you know, we're working, you're working on the ventilation, you're working on getting fans in there, but um, what would be, you know, this is obviously a much, so you have the Eversting, so we're, we sound really smart right now. So we have Brian Eversting on Monday, which is going to be 12 hours, but so we've talked a little bit about, you know, the, the tactics there, but what happens when I've got, um, you know, he's doing a one hour team time trial full gas, like over threshold on Friday, uh, sweating, like he's going to wring out his kit when he's done. Would he yeah. feel much differently or what would be, because we have many athletes that are kind of going down this rabbit hole as well, um, whether they're doing their, their, their workouts on indoors. So do you have some tips or ideas for that indoor training aspect? I mean, that is a case where oftentimes that sweat rate is you know, through the roof, right? So I think this is the place, hopefully the fueling aspect has been um, thought of, but I think hydration wise is that pre time trial window of time where you could, you know, just make sure you've got salt on the breakfast or you are drinking um, formulation of choice to preload for that very hard effort. So you don't have to almost like you don't have to bother, right? During the time trial, you want to just stay, stay focused on what you're trying to accomplish there. And then that rehydration window, um, you know, salty foods, or again, fluids of choice, but because there's relatively short time between, I'll call it events. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not neglecting that opportunity, right? For um, of course, the fueling and refueling, but the hydration and rehydration. Got it. That's lovely, Dina. That's lovely. So in, in the way to think of it really is if you're in a short uh, environment, if you're in a short effort, say less than an hour or two hours or whatever the, 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 the break point is there, but that prehydration, it just becomes even more important. And that's, valuable because you brought in so much of that from the beginning where you're like, Hey, wait a second. We got to think about the beginning. We got to think about during, and we got to think about afterwards. And that becomes very, very important for all of our athletes to consider because weekday training is different than weekend training. Right. Yeah. And for so many people that are working, right. They, it makes it all too easy to just think about your hydration just when you're quote in kit when you're a cyclist. And that's why we always term people as athletes is because we want you to think of that as a lifestyle all the time. It's not like just when you're in your kit, you're, you're thinking about hydration and nutrition. We got to be thinking about those things all the time. And that's, I'm thankful that you're giving us strategies for us to be able to do that because I think that's the hardest thing to integrate into your day because you can get on a bike and once all the the things you've done, the preparation and everything, you can go through the motions and just be like, okay, I'm going to drink one bottle. I've got a tall bottle. I'm going to drink it in an hour, whatever. You can go through those motions, but it's all the things you did building up to that throughout the day. If you're training in the evening, or maybe if you just got up in the morning and you're, you know, five o'clock in the morning, jumping on the trainer before work, right? There's a lot to it that you have to make sure you're prepped for so that you can get the quality in the workout. I love it. It's well said and very beautiful. It brings a tear to my eye. 
Dina, you know, you didn't, you're, you're just so humble, you know, and and I'm so thankful that we've got to spend this time with you and there's just, we're going to have to do something like this again, because there's so much more we wanted to scratch the surface on. And I know that we're running up against uh, you needing to move on and, and get to your next appointment, but I was hoping that you would tell us a bit about the nutrition mechanic, where people can find you, what it's all about. And because we've talked about this at the very beginning, the performance team concept is just super important to us because, you know, we're not an expert in all things. We're an expert in some things. And, you know, you are an expert in many things. And we want people to be able to have the opportunity to have their very best performance, which means we need to surround ourselves with nutritionists, hydration. We need to be able to have all these things, bike fit, everything that comes together so that someone can perform their best. And I'm hoping that you'll tell us more about the, the nutrition mechanic and how our athletes and listeners can learn more about it, what your thoughts are, and how this kind of service can be very useful for them. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I can be found at nutritionmechanic.com and my, my email and everything's there. Um, I guess importantly is that even though I'm based out of Colorado, I do work nationwide and, and even globally, I guess, with, um, athletes everywhere. So, Thankfully, you know, with virtual technology and email and telephone, we can, um, work on things. I, I, you know, I typically like a little bit of commitment from athletes. So even though I offer a one-time consultation, I, I find just like even in this hour that we've been talking, there's so much to cover and there's so much to do and, and learn that if we've got the opportunity to um, have a working relationship, even if it's just a, a month or a couple months, we can do so much more in that time. And, and that affords us the monitoring and assessment and the fine tuning. And then, you know, if you're good to go, you're great. And we can revisit in six months or another year and check in. Uh, so I've got clients that I've worked with on and off for, um, eight, nine years, just they've, experience other changes in their life or medical issues pop up or other kinds of, you know, endeavors they want to tackle. So I think we can all use a a nutrition check-in to just make sure we're optimized for whatever it is we're, we're about to tackle or what we're enduring. That's lovely. That is lovely. We need more, more people that are, you know, Joy is when she started the company, um, for Big Wheel, it was all about being an advocate for our athletes. And it's very clear that you're an advocate, that you're someone who's in the athlete's corner trying to help and support them regardless of of what that that looks like in the form of uh, a product or this or that. You're not pushing any of that. You're trying to help that person perform that best, their best. Yes. And we just need more people like that. We need more relationships, people that want to see us be successful as I don't mean us as in big, well, I mean us as individual athletes. It's just so, so amazing to have the power of someone with your resources, knowledge and experience in your corner. It's just uh, so, so useful. So, so amazing. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you both. Cause I think you both embody so much of that in your company. So it's, it's like, Ooh, all the touchy feelies to connect and have these relationships and know what we're trying to offer and, and um, provide amongst all of our people. 
and even the people we haven't yet encountered. Yes, ma'am. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. So, Dina, we always close these things out with a little bit of gratuity and things that we're thankful for. And I'm hoping that you'll join us in that. And uh, it's, again, it's free form, nothing. uh, Yeah, you're not prompted. It doesn't have to be anything we talked about. Uh, just anything that in your life that you're thankful for that you would love to share with, with us and the listeners, anything at all? Oh, well, I mean, I, I would say what comes to mind first is the interconnectedness of all of us, all of us human beings, but just the, uh, even though you're over there and I'm over here and we each have our own things going on in our lives that we can share in the human experience. And so I find such joy and gratitude in that connection and then the potential where where our paths um, go, where they cross and not not knowing where the end of the road is, but knowing it's like a really cool journey that we're on. I love it. I love it. Joy, you want to kick in there? What are you thankful for? Oh, well, I'm thankful. Uh, well, obviously we could we could do a podcast with three of us with Seamus uh, uh, during the streets in the middle of the day. So that's been productive. That's a, that's a win. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, like I said, I think I met Dina, you know, three years ago and I haven't, um, or two and a half, and I haven't, uh, we haven't physically seen each other since. And, like, it's so powerful, these seeds that get planted, you know, whether it's, you know, we've been on a ride or been at conferences or working together to create these um, you know, business relationships, but friendships also. And then, um, you know, I think that's a lot, you know, we're, I'm very thankful to be able to, to now introduce, you know, to our, our clients and our people, um, that, you know, maybe they can gain some benefits from her knowledge and expertise down the road. So yeah, I'm just, I'm really thankful that we're able to, you know, pause for a moment and, uh, build these, these relationships stronger. Oh, that's lovely, Joy. Lovely. Yeah, see, that's nice, huh, Dina? See? see? That's all good. That's all good. Oh, yeah, well, well, girls, I'm really thankful for you. And, and Dina, I'm, uh, I, I am, I personally, I want to seek mastery as a coach and as an athlete, as, as a husband, as a father. I, I want to be the very best that I can because I love serving others and helping others. And, and I think that it, it, experientially, I can say, okay, I've learned this, then I can then share it and, and share it better and more individually for our athletes. And I'm just so thankful for you taking the time to educate us today about these things and, and not taking the, the foundational things for granted, because it's just too easy these days to just drill right into the hardcore topics and start talking about osmality and, and I, oh, we need to do this and we need to do this and the solution should look like that. And, and instead, just coming back to foundational principles that are we need to look at ourselves as a whole human. We need to look at ourselves as what are we doing before, during and after these events and, and you taking the time to educate me and all of our athletes who are listening to this. I'm just so thankful. You are just you're a wealth of knowledge. And I'm, and I'm really, really thankful for your time today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Joy. I'm so honored. And um, I, this best part of my week right here, spending time <laughs> with you guys. So I, I hope we can connect again. And nonetheless, thank you for the opportunity.
No, yeah. Well, people need to go check out nutritionmechanic.com 100%. And uh, it's very, very good. And just, I mean, I, I read the about you page like four times because it was just so, so wonderful. You know, you've done so much and, you know, you've helped so many people, but you're so uh, authentic in the way that you are helping people. It's just a big privilege. So uh, I'm hoping that you'll come back for another uh, another episode here in the not too distant future. And we can kind of delve into some things a bit deeper if that's cool with you. I would love it. Cool. Good, good. And with that, we have let Mrs. Dina Griffin, the nutrition mechanic, off the phone. She had to run to another meeting. We're so thankful for her time. Uh, she, Before she left, she wanted to extend a really a wonderful op- offer for all of you Big Wheel Coaching podcast listeners. She's got an endurance coaching, uh, it's an endurance nutrition primer, which is like Hydration 101 that she's got. Uh, it's all online module learning, and she's offering 50% off for everyone. It's the it's Capital Big Wheel. Uh, so check that out uh, when you get a chance, or you can just look in the show notes. That's where I'll put the discount code. So it's capital big wheel. It's good for 50% off on her, um, endurance nutrition primer program, which is super cool. She was telling me about it before she had to leave. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. In fact, I'm going to take it. So just, uh, just so I'm up to speed and can talk to all of you with it about it as we, uh, as we connect with my athletes. And if I see you out in the wild, it is bike ride here soon. So anyway, with that being said, as always here, at big wheel coaching, we're so excited to uh, have you guys listening be sure to check out the show notes because you've got uh, discounts from Expedo Saddles, or excuse me, Expedo Pedals and Velo Saddles. That one's coming in soon. You've got GQ6 Nutrition and Hydration. We've got great stuff from them. It's a good discount, 40% off for you guys. Snack Bar, those guys are, we just love Anka and Leon over there at Snack Bar. That's homemade nutrition. She was our last guest, just an amazing woman. So check that out, and uh, they've got a great discount. There, it's also, uh, I believe it's also Big Wheel. Maybe it's BWC, I can't recall. But anyway, it'll be in the show notes there for you. And uh, again, check all that stuff out. And please let us know if there's anything we can do for y'all. We love the feedback. Appreciate you taking the time to listen to this longer episode. But know that uh, we're going to have to get Dina back because she's just an incredible, incredible wealth of knowledge. So, so important. So check her stuff out at nutritionmechanic.com. And until next time, be safe. Train smart and have fun. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. Later.